Well, welcome everybody. This is one of my very favorite Sabbaths of the year at Santa Clarita. It has been for the last four. And uh, I just rejoice that you can all join us in this time. It is that Christmas season and I can't help but get a little bit uh, into it, I guess, at this, at this juncture in the year. Our theme this week is joy, and particularly an enduring joy. Now this, I think, if we analyze it, goes deeper than a sense of happiness. We have this American concept, this American dream that we have uh, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? Happiness. And we do that in whatever form, short of breaking law, we can find. And of course, many people find it in breaking law too. And happiness is this thing that we, we sort of chase after, but don't often seem to really find. Because you meet really wealthy people who've achieved uh, incredible financial security and success, and they're not what? Happy. Some of them are, but they're not happy. You meet people who have uh, gone through various struggles and losses and they're not happy. You meet people who are well and they're not happy. And you meet people who are sick and they're sometimes not happy. Now this is conditional. We do meet people in all conditions of life who seem to be happy. But I would like to suggest that the sort of transcendent happiness that I'm referring to there is really not happiness at all. It's something much more profound and it's something I call joy. Now it may seem like splitting hairs this morning, but joy is this thing that is given. It is this thing that is chosen. It is this thing that comes from both within and comes from without as a gift. Let me explain a little further. Our text this morning is Hebrews, and I would like to have Edna come read that right now. And as she reads that, then I'm going to talk a little bit about that joy. I'm reading from Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds." It says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Now, that is really quite a sentence. The joy set before him was a very long day of humiliation and pain at the moment of Calvary. And I had a unique opportunity while we were visiting Israel this last week to see it differently, to see it again for the first time. Jerusalem, Old Jerusalem, is not a large city. Old Jerusalem is a very small city, really. And the distances between places, we think in terms of distance. I mean, I live in Glendale and commute to Santa Clarita. It's 30 minutes by car. That's nothing in California. 30 minutes 
by car will take me further than Jesus could have traveled in weeks in Israel. And so when we find Jesus on the Mount of Olives looking at Jerusalem, we're really talking about a little tiny hill with a little valley and up another little tiny hill partway, and there you are on the Mount of Olives. It's a couple hundred yards across the valley to the city. This is not something where we're looking off and saying, oh, that's Mount Wilson up there, and it's 40 miles away as the crow flies. So Jesus is in old Jerusalem. He goes not to the, he goes to the palace headquarters where the German, where the German, listen to me, the Roman guard, you know, German, Roman, uh, anyway. The Roman guard is stationed. He's tried there and convicted there and sentenced to death there. And it's a very, it's at the north end of the Temple Mount that this complex exists. Not far from the pool in which the sacrificial sheep were washed before they were taken up for sacrifice. And they come through the north gate called the Sheep Gate of the city. And through this Sheep Gate, it's not a very long distance to the pool where they're washed. And from there, not a very long distance to the Temple Mount. And between those two sites, the north gate and the Temple Mount, is where Jesus was tried and arrested. He carried his cross Yes, up a slight incline out the city, probably through the Sheep Gate, and was crucified outside the city on the road leading in. Now, it is really profound to look at this graphically because Jerusalem, old Jerusalem, had these massive walls. And it would have been just outside of the walls, literally, where he was crucified. Not very far at all. And it's less than a football field's length to the place that they now call Golgotha, or the skull, to the wall. And only, you know, a little bit into the sheep gate there. So in my mind, all these years, I've had this picture of Jesus trudging these major distances and him being kind of on a solitary hill out in the middle of nowhere, being crucified with two guys on either side of him, and that that was the scenario. But in fact, he was where the maximum shame and pain could be inflicted. You see, trade caravans, visitors of all kinds, pilgrims, sojourners, people with business, residents of the city, all under Roman rule, would have seen Jesus on the road, writhing, exposed, naked, nailed, humiliated. It was designed to inflict fear. It was designed for anybody visiting Jerusalem to say, okay, if I misbehave, that's what's going to happen to me. And there, outside this wall, Jesus endures. And the context of his enduring is the joy set before him. Now, this joy that was set before him was very, I'll make it very straight up and very simple for you. The joy set before him was the accomplishment of your salvation and mine. And for that joy and what would come, the reunion of humankind with God, the capacity for all of us to once again choose to love him, the possibility for all of us to be with him forever, and for him to once again take his seat at the right hand of God, 
This is the joy set before him. It was in a joy that enabled him to endure even the sufferings and humiliations of the cross. It doesn't fit our typical definition of pursuit of happiness, does it? We shop, we eat, we drink. We go to shows. We seek all manner of entertainments. We engage sports and music in our pursuits for happiness. We strive for excellence or power or control or financial gain in business in our pursuits of happiness. Our lives are running in these directions. And Jesus... For the joy set before him endured the suffering and shame of the cross. That, my friends, is what this season is all about. That's what this candle, the rose candle lit, is all about. It's about joy. It's about God's gift of joy to you because you cannot ever manufacture it. It's not the happy face your mother told you to put on when you were a child. It is something that comes from a deeper sense of grace, from a deeper sense of purpose, from a greater sense of perspective. It's something that comes from knowing who we are and who we belong to. It's something that comes from knowing what we're called to, and where we belong. And the answer to those questions, boringly enough or not, is the same for all of us. His claim is on you and on me. His joy is ours even as we suffer. His gift is this life that we might live more fully now and more abundantly, yes, but eternally as well. And we too can have joy in our times of suffering. So the grace that comes to us this season in Christ, this Advent season, the grace that I give to each of you today on behalf of God who gives it to us all, is this promise that his joy will be in you and will make your joy complete. And that it will be not a joy that comes and goes, that's dependent on material things or success or the praise of others. It's not dependent on your social connections or circumstances. It's a joy that endures and enables you to to endure. May God grant you that joy and may this season be a tremendous blessing to each of you. Thank you for being here this week.